Good Tuesday morning. It's the day after Christmas, and for families across the country, that means it's time to hit the road again. Crowded highways and airports as holiday travelers gear up for New Year's celebrations. It is December 26th, and this is today. The holiday travel rush is far from finished with Americans returning from Christmas and gearing up for New Year's. Millions of drivers facing dangerous winter weather on the roads and at least one airline racing to get back on track after hundreds of cancellations. We have what you need to know and what's in store this busy week. Breaking overnight, the U.S. carrying out a new round of retaliatory airstrikes in Iraq, where militants have been targeting American troops, including an attack on an airbase that injured three service members Christmas Day, one in critical condition this morning. We have the very latest. No end in sight. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu visiting Israeli troops fighting in the Gaza Strip, saying he's planning a new phase of the war, despite international calls for a ceasefire. And this morning, amid ongoing protests and the mounting death toll, officials around the world are stepping up security to keep crowds safe ahead of New Year's Eve. Just plain wrong. Spirit Airlines apologizing this morning after an unaccompanied six-year-old boy ended up on the wrong flight to the wrong city. How did that happen? His family now demanding answers. We'll have the latest on the investigation. Those stories plus thanks, but no thanks. First, the gift giving, now the gift returns. But things could be more complicated this year at some of the nation's biggest retailers. We have the deadlines you need to know and why you might have to pay to take that sweater back that just doesn't fit. Today, December 26th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning and welcome to today. We thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Savannah and Hoda are enjoying the week off. I'm Peter Alexander, along with my Saturday Today co-anchor, Laura Jarrett. And I hope you guys had a nice holiday. It's nice to see you during the week. We yeah. had a great holiday. Good food, crazy kids. That's all you we, need. We opened up gifts. Santa came to our house and my daughter said, oh my gosh, this is what we saw on Amazon. <laughs> We'll keep it our secret for today. It was uh, it was a heck of a holiday for so many, and now the madness begins. The ongoing travel rush, as this week is anticipated to be one of the busiest holiday seasons on record. Tens of millions are expected to fly or drive between now and New Year's Day. It has been a rough stretch for some, with that blizzard causing whiteout conditions in the plains and some Southwest flyers facing major delays. Dylan is going to have a look at the forecast for the week ahead, but we do want to start with NBC. Morgan Chesky. He is at Dallas Love Field this morning. Morgan, good morning. Yeah, Peter Lohr, good morning. U.S. Airlines doing their best to try to keep up with the holiday rush this go-around, hiring extra staff and flight attendants, all to try to avoid what happened to Southwest last year when they had to cancel about 17,000 flights and left 2 million travelers stranded. The good news today Things so far so good, thanks in large part to more mild weather across a large part of the country, but there have still been plenty of travel hiccups. This morning, Americans are on the move. Millions now returning from the Christmas weekend and many heading off for the New Year holiday, taking the roads, rails, and the skies. On the road, blizzard conditions across the plains and Midwest making for a chaotic drive back home for millions celebrating the holidays with travel dangerous to impossible at times, according to the National Weather Service. 
In Nebraska, the state patrol says it responded to more than 100 weather-related incidents, despite urging drivers to stay off the road. Dangerous whiteout conditions and ice on the interstate as well caused semi-trucks to slip off-road. In several dangerous cases, jackknife tractor trailers forced highways to shut down for hours. And while air travel was mostly smooth over the weekend, travelers still faced some trouble in certain areas. We had an evening flight and it was delayed, delayed because of the fog and then eventually canceled. In Chicago, thick fog over the weekend delayed dozens of flights, even triggering some cancellations. Southwest was nearly 300 cancellations on Sunday after the fog at Midway caused disruptions. But it was nowhere near last year's Christmas meltdown, where the airline canceled nearly 17,000 flights. Southwest says it expects to be back to a full operation today. This year's travel period between Christmas and New Year's Day, the second busiest since 2019. According to AAA, more than 115 million travelers are expected to go 50 miles or more from home by air or car. And the race home for the holidays even surpassing pre-pandemic levels at the nation's airports, with more than 2.6 million people going through TSA checkpoints last Thursday. And despite some travel in the skies, travelers did not lose their holiday spirits. There's frustrated people out here, but there's also plenty of cheer. There you go. And regarding this year's cancellation, Southwest Airlines says they have an all-hands-on-deck approach to take care of their customers as fast and safely as possible. In the meantime, if you are hitting the roads, be advised, AAA says that this upcoming Thursday likely going to be one of the most congested days on the road since before Christmas. Peter? All right. Smooth sailing, we hope, for next several days. Morgan, thank you very much. All right. Dylan is in for Alice Morning with the all-important forecast. And what do you need to know? How's it looking? Well, there's a kind of big storm system sort of spread out back through the Plain States and all the way down into the southeast. And it's got multiple parts to it. We did have some heavier snowfall yesterday across uh, the Dakotas, down through western Nebraska, even into Colorado. And you can see some snow is still falling right now. The storm itself is weakening a bit. It's trying to fall apart. So we're not going to see... Heavy, heavy snow today, but blowing snow will be an issue. And then look at all this rain extending from Minneapolis, stretching right down into Atlanta, where we could see some stronger storms uh, developing across the southeast later today. So we do have winter storm warnings still in effect. Ice storm warnings, too. Now, the blizzard warnings, because of winds up to about 35 to 50 miles per hour, that would create blowing and drifting snow, which could reduce visibility and make it a little bit uh, more difficult on the roadways. This cold front will move eastward as we go through the day, so we'll see some rain fill in across Ohio. Western Pennsylvania, some heavier rain across Western Virginia, also down into Western North Carolina. And then on Wednesday, we are going to see this approach the the East Coast with some heavier rain down through the Mid-Atlantic, stretching up into the Northeast by Wednesday evening. So if you're traveling today, the trouble spots would be Denver, Minneapolis, Cleveland later today. And then tomorrow, we could see some delays at the airports into the Northeast with that rain moving in. But then after this storm moves out, we are clear sailing as we go through New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. It looks like it's going to be really sunny for most of the country. Very nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks so much, Dylan. Now to that breaking news that we mentioned overnight. U.S. airstrikes in Iraq hitting sites where militants have been targeting American troops. President Biden authorizing those retaliatory strikes after a Christmas Day drone attack left three American service members wounded. NBC's Ryan Nobles joins us now with the latest on that. Ryan, good morning. 
Peter, good morning to you. And yes, you're right. This is yet another sign of U.S. involvement and tensions escalating in the Middle East. Overnight, the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin confirming U.S. military forces carried out what they say were necessary and proportionate strikes in Iraq, targeting several facilities being used by an Iran-backed terrorist group. Now, according to U.S. Central Command, early assessments show that the facilities were successfully destroyed and a number of militants were killed. No civilian lives were affected. The Defense Department says that the strikes were in response to a series of attacks against U.S. personnel in the area, including one earlier on Christmas morning. That incident happened at an airbase in Iraq where three U.S. service members were injured from a drone attack, leaving one in critical condition. President Biden quickly convened his security team at Camp David, where he made the call to direct the strikes against those groups responsible. Peter. And Ryan, this has obviously become a cycle now. We've been reporting this out for months. Are there any signs of this military activity slowing down? Well, Secretary Austin has said that the president has no higher priority than protecting Americans serving in harm's way and that the U.S. will continue to respond should these attacks continue. There have been more than 100 in the region since just October. Peter, Ryan Nobles in Washington with the latest. Ryan, thank you. Now to the Middle East, where Israel's government is under intense pressure to wind down that war and bring the hostages home. But negotiations on a new hostage deal showing little progress this morning. NBC's Josh Letterman joins us now near the Israel-Gaza border. Josh, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Laura. It has been a difficult period here in Israel, a deep sense of mourning as there has been one funeral after another, as Israel has lost 17 troops on the battlefield just since Friday. And for Palestinians in the Gaza Strip just behind me, the losses have been far more stark. This morning, Gaza is reeling from one of the deadliest stretches of the war. Some 250 Palestinians killed in a 24-hour period, the Hamas-run Palestinian health ministry says, including at least 70 in a Christmas Eve airstrike on a central Gaza refugee camp. This is what's left of the camp now. The dead and wounded piling up at a nearby hospital, itself barely still standing. Doctors and nurses here are doing their best. Their best is never going to be enough until there's a ceasefire. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is under increasing pressure to change course by aid groups, foreign nations, and by families of Israeli hostages still captive in Gaza, who heckled him in Israeli parliament, holding signs that said, what if it was your daughter? But Netanyahu was defiant during an unannounced visit to the war zone, telling troops in Gaza, we don't stop. This war continues until the end. With one of Netanyahu's top advisors in Washington today to discuss the war's next phase, Netanyahu writing in the Wall Street Journal that Israel must control Gaza's security for the foreseeable future, suggesting a long-term occupation that the Biden administration says is unacceptable. With no end in sight, the war loomed over Christmas Day festivities at the Vatican, where Pope Francis pleaded for an end to what he called the appalling harvest of innocent lives. And in Israel, mothers and fathers are anxiously checking the IDF website that announces those killed in action. Shaili Lipa's son Itamar has been fighting in Gaza for seven weeks. How long can you live like this? It's a good question. I, we know, break every day. You know, it's, it's like uh, we say we can't do it anymore, but we don't have any choice. 
Israel's war cabinet met last night to discuss the hostages as Egypt is pushing a proposal that would initially see 40 hostages released in exchange for a multi-week pause in the fighting. But right now, there are no signs that either Israel or Hamas will accept that deal. Laura. All right, Josh Letterman, thank you. With the war in the Middle East and heightened tensions here at home, law enforcement remains on high alert as many are looking ahead to celebrations to ring in 2024. Protesters and police clashing in midtown Manhattan yesterday. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is in nearby Times Square, where, of course, millions are going to be gathering to watch the ball drop Sunday night. Steph, good morning. What is the latest there? Good morning, Peter. You know, for weeks, people have been protesting over the war in Gaza. Christmas weekend was no exception. And here in Midtown, there were those scuffles, like you mentioned, with police. There were six arrests, according to the NYPD, but no one was injured. And you can see it got a little tense here. People calling for canceling Christmas and no celebrations. And it wasn't just here in New York City. Also in Chicago over the weekend, pro-Palestinian demonstrators disrupted traffic. They also showed up at various places where people were doing some last minute shopping to get their voices heard, you know, the calls for a ceasefire only growing louder here in the, in uh, in this country as well, Peter. And Steph, New Year's Eve, of course, coming up just a matter of days away, big crowds and some busy areas. What are the expectations when it comes to security? Well, according to a bulletin from the Department of Homeland Security and FBI that was sent out to law enforcement across the country, there is a heightened uh, concern and threat of possible lone wolf attacks. That's when one person, not an organization of people, choose a a public event to attack. Obviously, here in New York City, you're going to have up to a million people here for the ball drop. But there will be large groups gathering also in places like D.C. and Chicago. And law enforcement is asked to be on alert. So is the public, too, Peter. Yeah, as a reminder, what police always tell us, if you see something, say something. This is the time of year when that really matters. Stephanie Goskin, Times Square. Steph, thank you. To politics now, as the presidential primary season will soon be in full swing. It may seem hard to believe, but the first in the nation Iowa caucuses are less than three weeks away. NBC's Aaron Gilchrist is at the White House with the very latest. Aaron, good morning. Laura, good morning. And then there were six contenders trying to win the nomination that could get them to the White House. The fight for Iowa is in full swing, with Donald Trump still leading the pack and setting his first 2024 rally in that state for January 6th. This morning, with less than three weeks to go before the official start of the 2024 primary season, Republican presidential candidates are in their final push ahead of the Iowa caucuses. But the prospect of catching up to former President Trump is increasingly appearing out of reach for the candidates, as he maintains a more than 30-point lead in the Hawkeye state in a recent poll. We can put this to bed after Iowa, if you want to know the truth. We can put it to bed for them, too. They can go home and forget it. Trump campaigning in Iowa far less than some other candidates. According to an NBC News tally, he's visited 14 of Iowa's 99 counties, DeSantis and Ramaswamy visiting all 99, and Haley visiting 23. And with Haley and DeSantis battling it out for second place in the latest polls, both are sharpening their attacks against each other. She really represents more of the old establishment uh, type of thinking. You know, she's getting support from a lot of liberal Democrat donors in Silicon Valley, Wall Street bank CEOs rallying liberal Democrats. Ron DeSantis drafted and led the charge to ban the renewable fuel standard that matters so much here in Iowa. He banned fracking. He banned offshore drilling. 
but it comes as Nikki Haley is surging in New Hampshire, with one recent poll putting her within 14 points of the former president. Meanwhile, Trump's fight rages on in the courts. Four criminal cases, all potentially going to trial in 2024. His lawyers over the weekend asking the D.C. appeals court to toss out his case on grounds of presidential immunity. Posting on Truth Social, his efforts to overturn President Biden's win in 2020 were part of his, quote, duty as president. Now, as the Republican primary season settles, the Biden campaign indicating the president will ramp up his reelection effort in the new year. And sources say to expect him to have his sights squarely set on Trump. Laura. All right, Aaron, thank you. Let's bring Dylan back to look at the rest of the country's forecast. Yes, and we do have this big storm system that's impacting most of the country. We could see some issues if you're traveling, especially back through Wichita, out near Denver. The snow is still falling. Blizzard conditions are expected across the western Dakotas into western Nebraska because of the blowing snow. We could see wind gusts up to about 50 to 55 miles per hour. We're also going to see steadier rain start to take hold down through the uh, Carolinas, especially the western side of those states. So in the northeast, though, temperatures still look very much above average. We should see highs today once again into the 50s. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you very much. And coming up right here, a parent's nightmare, their child on a flight to the wrong city. This happened this holiday weekend with an unaccompanied six-year-old placed on the wrong plane. Our Sam Brock is following this frightening story. Yeah, Peter, good morning. A lot of parents hearing that and wondering, wait a minute, what happened? Spirit Airlines right now apologizing for an unaccompanied six-year-old child getting off in the wrong city completely. Many families may want to know what are the rules for children flying alone? What are Spirit Airlines' own policies for kids flying alone? The answer to that coming up right after this. All right, lots of questions there. Plus, everything you need to know to get the most out of your holiday returns, the key deadlines, possible fees, and what to do if you don't have a receipt. But first, this is Today on NBC. Now it's 7.30. It is Tuesday, December 26, 2023. Look at that crowd. So merry, even in the cold. NBC's Jacob Soberoff is in for Craig this morning. What's up? And Christmas isn't over just yet on the plaza. Our tree is still shining in all of her glory. It's so nice to see you in person, not jumping out of a plane, not I, riding the waves. <laughs> I've never gotten to do this with the two of you together, and uh, I'm looking forward to we this We do week. this every weekend. You I can know. come anytime. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll stop by. What's up, everybody? <laughs> we hope everybody is having a good start to their holiday, post-holiday week as we yes, get going. Yes, post-holiday. And this is a truly bizarre post-holiday story here. Now, out of Florida, Spirit Airlines apologizing this morning after an unaccompanied minor was put on the wrong flight. Yes, the wrong flight to the wrong city. The young boy's grandmother waiting for him at an airport on the other side of the state, only to find him not there. NBC's Sam Brock joins us with more this morning. Sam, good morning. Laura, good morning. Peter, Jacob, good morning. I'm sure if you're a parent out there, you're wondering, how is this child doing? He is okay. So far, though, guys, Spirit Airlines has not offered an explanation as to how he ended up in the wrong city some 200 miles or so from his original destination. Now, Spirit Airlines did post its rules onto its website about unaccompanied minors who are allowed to fly guys between the ages of 5 to 14. However, a parent or guardian, whoever's dropping that child off, is expected to escort them to the gate and wait for the plane to take off. Spirit Airlines this morning is apologizing after a six-year-old boy was placed on the wrong plane. 
The child, flying alone for the first time, boarded a Spirit Airlines flight in Philadelphia. He was supposed to fly to Fort Myers, Florida, but instead took a nearly three-hour flight to Orlando. His grandmother, Maria Ramos, waiting for him at the Fort Myers airport. I was so excited about seeing my grandson again. Ramos told CBS affiliate Wink TV that realizing her grandson wasn't on the correct plane was one of the scariest moments of her life. My stomach was just tight, my heart was pounding. The flight attendants in Fort Myers telling Ramos her grandson missed his flight, but that Ramos had his check-in tag. Once Spirit Airlines tracked down the correct location of her grandson, Ramos raced to the Orlando airport a four-hour drive away. In a statement, Spirit Airlines sang, The child was always under the care and supervision of a Spirit team member, and as soon as we discovered the error, we took immediate steps to communicate with the family and reconnect them. We take the safety and responsibility of transporting all of our guests seriously and are conducting an internal investigation. We apologize to the family for this experience. Unaccompanied minors have gotten on the wrong plane before, like in 2019, when 14-year-old Anton Berg flew to Germany instead of Sweden. This whole ordeal reminiscent of a blockbuster holiday movie. A happy ending for the Ramos family, despite the questions that remain. How did that happen? Did they get him out the plane? All right, Sam, we're glad that little boy is okay. But what are the standard protections here for unaccompanied minors, especially at this time of the year? It's a great question, Laura. So the Department of Transportation says the DOT technically does not have any specific federal regulations. The onus is on the individual airlines, as we discussed, to craft their own policies. Now, as a concerned Spirit Airlines, parents have to sign a form, actually, acknowledging that that child is going to be flying unaccompanied. And they charge $150 each way to be able to do that service. We have not been able to confirm with Spirit Airlines whether or not their own guidelines were followed in this case. Wow. Laura, okay. Something tells me this. This is not the end of this story. Sam, thank you. I appreciate it. And they're going to be flying first class on Spirit for a little while. <laughs> I was going to say that Grandma is the MVP driving from Fort Myers to Orlando to pick up the little man. Oh. Grandma, we love you. Uh, guys, stick around because coming up, rising interest rates kept many people out of the housing market this past year. But is there new hope ahead for those who want to buy a home in 2024? But first, what you should know before returning those less than perfect holiday gifts. Brian Chung is here with a guide to getting what you really want. Good morning, guys. Look, all those gifts are opened up, but in some cases, you might be wanting to bring some of that stuff back. We'll have the tips on what to do as you head out for those returns on the other side of the break on today. today's consumer, although the season of gift giving is over, or so they say, your trips to the mall or post office may not be, depending on what you got under the tree this year. Uh, shoppers returned over $170 billion with the B worth of goods during last year's holiday season, and the rush to return this year's gifts could be even bigger. Here with what you should know before you say goodbye to those unwanted items is NBC's business and data correspondent Brian Chung. Brian, what's up, man? Good morning. Hey, morning. Uh, what are the major deadlines? I may have returned, by the way, one or two things already. I know it's only yeah. the day after Christmas. What do the return deadlines look like this year? Look, it might not be the right fit, or maybe you just don't want it, right? Sending it back is no shame at all. But when it comes to the deadlines, you will have extended periods in many cases to return those items. Uh, with electronics, it's going to be a little bit more narrow. So if you're looking at a Best Buy or an Apple, it's basically until the middle of January to return those goods, January 13th, January 15th. But for other major retailers, I'm thinking Macy's, Walmart, Amazon, Kohl's, you have until the end of January, January 31st to return at Target 
market. It's going to be January 24th. So you do have basically a month to return a lot of these things at many of these stores. I am a habitual return person <laughs> in my house. There's just boxes You've everywhere. And I have noticed the fees are increasing yeah. lately. How much can people expect to pay? Yeah, well, restocking fees, which is oftentimes to cover the cost of postage to send it back, is going to be between 5 and $10. So a few tips for those that are returning just try to bring it to the store in person. You'll be able to avoid the repackaging fees that way. Uh, Amazon, for example, you can just bring the item back. You don't even need the box. You can bring it to a Whole Foods or Kohl's. They'll box it up and send it back for you. And there's also loyalty programs where you can get around the restock fees if you're signed up for what is oftentimes a free program like H&M. So the biggest challenge is you're not going to ask your aunt or your grandma for the receipt for that sweater that you just don't <laughs> care for, right? So if you don't have that receipt, what are the strategies to try to return something like that? I think more commonly, it's people throwing away the receipt with the gift wrap. It happens, right? But if you don't have the receipt, one way to just get around that is by uh, going to the store and asking anyway. Walmart, for example, they can look up your order using just your credit card number in, in many cases. Either way, have your personal information on hand. Have an ID because especially with return uh, theft, there's usually a case where they want to check your ID, even if you bring the receipt back anyway. And look, worst case scenario, you don't have the receipt, just ask for store credit. A lot of stores will be able to give it, give it to you that can, way. Can I ask you, what about buy now, pay later? I feel like we've talked about buy now, yeah. pay later so much this holiday season. Or the, can you return buy now, pay later items? Yeah, this is a super interesting phenomenon because people have been financing their purchases. So what happens if you want to return something, but you haven't finished paying it off mm -hmm. yet? A Klarna, for example, they say, look, here's the process for doing it. You can return it, but return the item to the store where you bought it from first. And then you'll go on your buy now, pay later app or on the website to request a refund. During that point in time, it could be about two weeks during which you might have to still continue making payments. But again, just read the fine print. It's going to depend on what type of financing you did and what company ultimately you got that BNPL product from. Are there some things you really just can't return? We've had a little <laughs> off the record conversation about we some of did, our historic yeah. returns, but are there some things you just really can't? I mean, things that may have been heavily used. Yeah, maybe you don't <laughs> want to bring that back. Uh, but uh, Stop they're, looking at me. I'm not looking at you. Know, I'm not <laughs> accusing anyone of anything, but uh, things that are perishable in many cases are not things that you'll be able to return. Uh, also, and this is kind of a surprise, um, seasonal gifts. So if you mm. buy like certain things that are just Christmas themed, oftentimes they will not be returnable. Uh, hygienic items also, for obvious reasons, will not be uh, returned. In addition, anything that's labeled clearly as final sale. Oh, by the way, good time to buy next year's Christmas gifts right now. It's like $1.99 <laughs> for everything. Oh, yeah. Right. And so if you can't return something, what else do you do with it? Regifting obviously is an easy way to go, but what are the other options? Yeah, well, you can regift it to people. There are great Facebook groups online where you can just drop, especially to communities that are in need in addition to food banks and other drives like that. But you can also resell your goods online. If it's something like, for example, a nice pair of sneakers, there are some outlets like StockX and Goat that you can resell on. There's always eBay, of course. But again, this is a time of need as well. So if you got something, you don't need it, maybe you consider donating it uh, nearby. Good point. Good point. Brian, thank you. Brian, appreciate it very much. Time to check uh, the forecast again. Dylan is keeping an eye on that for us. Good yeah, morning. it was a really mild Christmas around here in the Northeast. That's for sure. And it's going to stay mild for the next day or so. We're looking at temperatures about 10 to almost 20 degrees above average. Rochester, New York, 53 for a high today. Cincinnati, close to 60. Chicago, 43, which is still 11 degrees above average. And then tomorrow, we're still looking for those above average temperatures. Indianapolis, mid-40s. Charleston, 55. New York, 53. Norfolk, Virginia, 64 degrees. And then we'll start to settle into some more seasonable type temperatures as we go into the weekend. Cleveland, Friday and Saturday, 39 degrees. Chicago, 39 by Saturday. We'll settle back into the 40s across New York, too. But as we go into the new year, it looks like we're just going to kind of see some status quo weather, especially in the Northeast. We're not looking at anything too warm or too cool. It does look warmer than average, though, out West. Temperatures will be above average going into next week. And down in the South,
southeast, we're looking at those below average temperatures. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you very much. And up next right here, her presence itself is a gift. Taylor Swift <laughs> and her whole family spreading some Christmas cheer when the Kansas City Chiefs needed it most. Right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. As if you hadn't already heard, it was Christmas Day. Taylor's version at the Kansas City Chiefs game yesterday. The pop star's entire family was on hand to watch her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, take the field. Talk about pressure. Yeah, my my family's coming. (laughs) NBC's Liz Kreutz is here with how Trailer spent the holiday and what is next in 2024 for the global icon. Liz, good morning. Hey guys, good morning to all of you. That's right, Swifties are very excited that Taylor is spending the holidays in Kansas City. And even though the game ended in a loss for the Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders, the singer seemed merry and bright, supporting Kelsey from her box alongside her parents and brother. It is a true Swiftimus miracle. This morning, fans had themselves a merry little Swift miss after Taylor Swift and her family were spotted arriving in style at Monday's Chiefs game. It is officially a family affair at Arrowhead Stadium. Despite a rough loss for the Chiefs, Swift seen screaming in support of boyfriend Travis Kelsey, ringing this holiday bell after a good play and wearing a Santa hat with Kelsey's number on it next to her brother, fully dressed up as Santa. Kelsey's dad, Ed, with them too. The Christmas Day gathering, the latest step in the singer's now very public love story. The Kansas City Chiefs having fun with the romance, auctioning off two jerseys signed by Kelsey and emblazoned with Swelsey and Trailer. It comes as Kelsey recently gushed about dating Swift on his New Heights podcast, describing the moment she showed up on the big screen during a game against the Patriots. You don't see an entire home team fan base go insane for somebody wearing the opposite team's colors. Just shows you how amazing that girl is. I was trying to keep it cool. It's a fairy tale ending to the year of Taylor Swift. The pop star taking 2023 by storm. From being named Time's Person of the Year to hitting billionaire status, Swift solidifying her place as a cultural force and global icon. Her sold-out international tour, the highest-grossing concert tour of all time, boosting local economies and bringing joy to millions worldwide. I just wanted you to know that you have changed my mom heart. This mom thanking Swift for bringing her closer to her nine-year-old daughter. It just means the world. Swift so moved that she responded, saying, You just reminded me why this year has been so special. And the era of Taylor continues as she wraps up a year likely beyond her own wildest dreams. And as we enter 2024, things do not seem to be slowing down. Taylor will resume her international tour on February 7th in Tokyo, Japan. And yes, for any fans wondering, she has a show in Tokyo the day before the Super Bowl, meaning it could be a tight race to make it back if Travis and the Chiefs end up playing, guys. Yeah, she's going to be on a rocket ship to make sure that <laughs> she'll can, make it back. Yeah, she'll figure out she'll a way. Make it back. I am guilty, though, this weekend. The Chiefs game was on. And the first thing I said when I walked by, I'm like, is Taylor there? <laughs> Much respect to her brother, though, by the way. Full Santa suit there. You really got into it. <laughs> uh, coming up in Pop Start, more proof athletic genes are strong in the Williams family. Wait until you see the cute video of her little girls working out together. And we're going to take a close look at how those weight loss drugs are changing the game when it comes to one of the most popular New Year's resolutions. Plus the benefits and risks with so many resolving to get healthier in 2024. 